and we're live. How you doing, Chris? Doing great. Do you want to tell them what happened over the past 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so we recorded an intro, like literally 10 minutes ago, yeah. about how excited we were that we got semi-professional equipment. I mean, we had a mixer and we had two really good podcast microphones yeah. and whatever. Uh, but then the mixer burned out my AC adapter because i'm not using the original one because i don't have the original one so i thought this one would do it's three volts short and it outputs way less than it needs for energy yeah so my ac adapter just got fucking burned out mm -hmm. and like five minutes into the thing we just lost mics so so basically to sum it up you got to deal with us in this capacity for another week or so <laughs> yeah. but hopefully this is enjoyable enough but we will have some uh, some new high-tech equipment in the next few weeks so yeah bear with us until then we will get it right, but that's a fucking bummer because it sounded really awesome. It really did, but... Yeah. But whatever. We're that's here now. So, uh, episode three for film sakes. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. Episode uh, three. Three episodes in already. Yeah, it feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, like we just started last week. Yeah. We kind of basically did. Well, we did. It's been <laughs> yeah. three weeks. It yeah. just feels weird because it's such a... Like, every within every episode, there's such a length of time oh, yeah. Yeah. that it feels like a lot of shit should have happened, but it never does. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so episode three, mm -hmm. what's been going on with you? Let's catch up a bit. Uh, first thing, um, the Bernie Sanders, you know, oh, the, that's uh, right. the last podcast we were talking, um, Bernie Sanders was going into Iowa, the Iowa caucus with, uh, Hillary Clinton. He, he ended up basically tying, he lost by a percentage vote there, but, um, we had you on the lookout for the, uh, for the New Hampshire caucus, which he did win. And he won the shit out of it. He, he won the shit out of it. Yeah. Bernie won that. So. Let's look forward to February the 20th in Nevada. Nevada. Know? I mean, it's positive energy. I mean, that's all it's about, positive energy. The Bernie Sanders campaign has been one of the most interesting to watch. It is. Because not only is it, like, really independent, like, legitimately independent campaign, mm -hmm. but it's also one of the most hated and most loved campaigns at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you go on Facebook and you're other find two people. People are, like, feeling the burn, mm -hmm. and people are, like, feeling the burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like... I'm excited to see what Bernie Sanders can do. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, funny thing, earlier I was checking Facebook, mm -hmm. and I ran an article about uh, Emily Ratajkowski. Not sure that is. She was in Gone Girl, and she was the top dancer in Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines video. Okay. All right. uh, she's a Polish model, lives here. Polish? Uh, Polish, okay. yeah. Uh, super great lady. She's awesome. Yeah. Uh, she opened up for Bernie in one of the rallies. And I don't know... I don't know what Charlie was, but she opened up for Bernie, and people fucking hated her for it. Why? Like, because, I don't know, I guess people think that models can't be smart. Well, they kind of have a point there. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I mean, that that's, yeah. um, was odd. I just heard um, Cindy Crawford on uh, on Mark Maron a couple of weeks ago, and oh, yeah. I would have never known. I mean, I just used her as a jack-off material, you know, back as, as, a, as a teenager. You know, but the thing is, she was a valedictorian. You yeah. know, she graduated at the top of her class in high school. Same thing in um in college. You know, she's a million times smarter than I could ever hope to be. Yeah. You know, but I would have never known that. You it's know, fucking just, insane. Yeah. And, like, we have this model uh, showing that she has some sort of value in the political field, knowing that even though Hillary's a female president, mm -hmm. she doesn't have... Candidate. Yeah, candidate, sorry. She doesn't have the, the values that we need as Americans right now. So, like, first of all, she's smart enough to do that. Sure. She's brave enough to like go against all the fucking hate mm -hmm. and like support an old white dude mm -hmm. that wants to bring economic equality. Yeah. And it's just it's kind of disheartening to see the sexism and the blatant 
display of ignorance that happens in social media when you get this kind of issues. Sexism is big in, in the States. Yeah. And that's the point that I was talking about earlier before we were on the podcast about the um, the friend of mine that's having a kid. You know, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, the best the best part about it, my, my girlfriend's pregnant, the best part about it, it's a boy. And I'm like, the way that I heard it was, my girlfriend's pregnant, the best part about it is, it's not a girl. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, what the, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, girls are arguably as valuable as boys. Arguably, I mean, no, they are. Arguably. You no, know, it just is. It just is. Not even arguably. Yeah, they like, are, arguably. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, I see Hillary Clinton as kind of like the Jesse Jackson of her mm -hmm. time, you know, in, in, in this aspect how Jesse Jackson continued to run for president over and over with no shot. Like, we knew that Jesse Jackson wasn't going to win, I mm -hmm. mean, every time that he ran. But then when uh, Obama got elected, you've seen Jesse Jackson in the in the crowd of people just bawling, crying those tears, because he knew, had he not went ahead and waved the flag and been the front runner and going out there and lost all those times, then it wouldn't have been possible for Obama. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at Chelsea Clinton. Now, she's into politics now. I would like to see what she does in the next 15 to 20 years, because I don't see it for Hillary. I yeah, see her as being the Jesse Jackson. She has to get up there and lose and lose and lose. And it's so bad, like, the, the position that she's in. Because eight years ago, it was her time. You yeah. know, it was on, we didn't even know who Obama was. It was, <laughs> only, uh, it was only Hillary. And then Obama shows up. He's like, oh, well, how about we just give it to the guy this uh, time? My fellow Americans, <laughs> yeah. how about we give it to the guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let's, let's just give it to the man this time. And then we'll see how that goes and we'll come back to you, Hillary. And then we gave it to Obama. He had his eight years and now yeah. Hillary's back. You remember yeah. when you said just give it to him this one time now it's my turn? And now she's there. And now it's like, Bernie, ah, well, we'll just give it to this other guy one more time. And then, like, no. You know, so I don't, I don't think no, she's going to I, I do. I do feel bad for Hillary's position. Yeah. Because she's, she's playing, I think, in my opinion, she's playing the, gen, the gender the gender card a lot. She's playing race card too. Yeah, is she? Oh yeah, she's yeah. she's going to the south in South Carolina. Like she's trying to rally the black voters. No yeah, shit. Sure. And that's the thing. She has the black voters. Obama had the youth and the black vote. Yeah. Bernie Sanders has the youth vote. Uh, Hillary Hillary Clinton has the black vote. Now, if Hillary loses in South Carolina, the black vote goes with Bernie Sanders. I, I like to think so too. Yeah. I'm I'm really hopeful that that Bernie gets both the youth and minority vote. Me too. Um, because that means that we're making some real traction. Yes. And I'm sorry we got political for like five minutes. Uh, yeah, but it's gotta, important It's important yes. to talk about politics. They got to deal with that shit anyway. This is stuff yeah. that's happening in real life in America. You know, so wherever you live is, is real life. And also, I want to clarify. When I said arguably, mm -hmm. arguably mm -hmm. I totally meant like certainly. Yes, sir. I just yes. fucked up the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe women are good as men. Yeah. Like, I guess you make an argument for that. They're kind of... <laughs> um, but that's happening. Bernie's getting traction. I yeah. think Hillary's gonna going to not win this time doesn't mean that she won't be able to win later <laughs> we told her that last eight years ago but, we'll, <laughs> you know, yeah. but right now my vote's for burning Me too. and Me too. if you're in any of the states i have any power over this it, it, fucking if you're in the united states mm -hmm. and then you're thinking about voting for someone yeah. get off your bloody ass and go vote yeah because you're gonna be the one that dictates whether or not we have to deal with economic equality and a and booming economy mm -hmm. or the richer get richer and we get less and less as the years go on. Yeah. So please go vote. That would be great. Uh, other news that happened, um, a big thing that happened here in Charlotte, we're getting rid, uh, ready for the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> the Super Bowl. If anyone doesn't know, the Carolina Panthers uh, were in the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it wasn't a good game. The Denver Broncos, uh, they beat the Panthers pretty handily. And the thing is, I, on, uh, on Tuesday, I took a half day for Tuesday expecting to, to be in downtown Charlotte or uptown Charlotte ready for the parade. 
<laughs> they, they already had the Panthers parade ready for Tuesday, and I was ready to go. There was no parade. They, we should have had it anyway. Should have had it anyway. We should fuck it. We lost. Yeah. Ah, fuck it. We lost. Yeah. We'll play again next year. Yeah. Uh, no, I watched that game. I watched. Uh, I watched up to the halfway point of the game. I think third quarter. Yeah. And if we had just been annihilated by the Broncos, mm. I feel like it would have been less emotional strain. But we were like right fucking there. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We never turned it on. Uh, so it was a fun game. I ate a lot of wings, and I fucking my ass blew out the morning after. <laughs> nice. It was fucking awful, but it was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, what else we had? Uh, the Bernie Sanders, the Super Bowl. Oh, the um, I watched the Michael Jackson off the wall. Ah, shit. That's right. How's that? That was really really good. Spike Lee uh, was a director. I didn't know that going into it. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about it is you hear all the fanfare about Thriller. You know, Thriller is, is one of the best albums of all time. That's yeah. not arguable just because of the sales. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's ridiculous in sales. But my personal favorite album is Off the Wall. And you'll see that in not just music and movies and television, a lot of things like that, to where it's, it's often the, the, the piece of work before the, the one that really gets recognized. That was really the gold, you know. Um, Denzel Washington winning uh, that Oscar when the, the, the art that he did before that was the gold. You know, and that's pretty much how Off the Wall was. Off the Wall was amazing. That led him into the groundbreaking, which was Thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, but the uh, it was it was a, it was a really really good film. Spike Lee, he put his foot all the way in it. I mean, it was good. It was that's really good. good. Awesome. Yep. I haven't checked out my dog poop somewhere. I swear to God. Oh shit. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, we'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I never, I never, I was never a huge Michael Jackson fan. Mm-hmm. I, I love this music, but I was never a fan yeah. of Michael Jackson. And uh, I'm glad that someone's given him sort of like the merit that he deserves for being oh, yeah. a great musician, uh, yeah. especially Spike Lee. Yeah, Spike Lee's fucking good. He's amazing. Uh, what else? Did you watch anything else? Uh, this week, um, the OJ thing is still really good. I've heard some ad. I saw some ads for that. It looked really promising. Yeah, I yeah. Saw episode two aired a couple of days ago. It might have been a Tuesday actually. Yeah, Tuesday. Okay. Episode two aired Tuesday. It's, it's still so good. Kobe Gunning Jr., he's doing the, this is the role of his lifetime right now. Well, okay. for now it is. You know, he's kind of fell off after a few good men, like Snow Dogs kind of buried him. <laughs> you know, <after laughs> he had that bomb of a film, but this is really, really good, and I implore anyone to watch that. It's really good. Sweet. Uh, things that I watched, mm-hmm. uh, I watched the, today we're going to be talking about under-acknowledged movies yep. and sort of like, the movies that go by into the public radar. Mm-hmm. That's the topic for today. So, in, pre- in prep for that, I watched Drive with uh, Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. directed by Nicholas Winding Raft, some weird last name. Winding Raft? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, oh. some weird name. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Winding, the guy directed it. Yeah. And I watched Frank. I, yes. I don't know who directed that movie. I uh, And I watched... Uh, and I started to watch Only God Forgives, mm-hmm. another one with Ryan Gosling, and I think the same director that did Lars and the Real Girl a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, Lars von something, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, great fucking movies. I loved all of them. Yeah. Uh, Only God Forgives, I didn't get too far into it because yeah. we have to do the podcast. Uh, but, I mean, the, stylistically, the both Ryan Gosling movies are beautiful and cinematography, they're amazing. Yeah. Ryan Gosling has got such a huge fucking range. He does. And I'm so, like, I want him to do more stuff now. After seeing him in those movies, I want him to do more stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what I watched in the last week since the last episode. Okay. In terms of, like, really sat down and watched. Mm. Uh, just Ryan, Frank caught me off guard. It was so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 
deep into Frank when we get in, into uh, the meat of the podcast. That's yeah. one of my favorite movies, sir. It's really good. It's, it's fucking fantastic. And the soundtrack for that movie, like, it's weird as shit. And it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I should hate it. But it's so good. I don't know what the hell. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, props to Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. for playing that character the way he did. It was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I watched anything else besides those movies this week. Um, I watched uh, some Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's always all, a good one. That's always on my rotation. That's really good. Um, oh, no, wait. Bullshit. I lied. I watched uh, Hannibal Buress's. Oh, yeah. We watched Comedy uh, Kamikaze. Yeah, Kamikaze. Yeah. Kamikaze, yeah. <laughs> that was fucking good. It I mean, was, Hannibal Buress is delivery is good almost every time my favorite bit is the fucking <laughs> thing with the glasses oh y'all need these glasses <laughs> the beginning. Them it's like, these are fake glasses just to make you feel comfortable and he yeah. just throws them into the audience yeah uh if you haven't checked that out uh comedy Kamisado. it's on netflix with animal viewers it's fucking fantastic yeah he's he's a rising star right now i mean he's trying to break away from the uh the bill cosby thing you know and just be known for his own work yeah you know? If you, and if you don't see that, uh, check them out on uh, on Broad City. That's going to be right. coming back this week. We'll go over that in the premieres for um, for this week. But, yeah, you can check them out on that, too. It's really good. Great job. I think there's a lot of really good stuff coming out this year, and I'm super excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Hell, Caesar came out. Having gotten the chance to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I really want to. Yeah. And I, Deadpool comes out tomorrow. Yeah, we can see it midnight showing tonight or watch it tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. So, excited things. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick little break. Mm-hmm. Me and Chris, I'm going to stock up on water. Because I spilled it on the floor fixing the mic. And we're going to go find the dog shit. And we're going to go find <laughs> where the dog pooped. He might have just farted. But anyway, And we're live again. Also, I got to say that two of my favorite things about podcasting yeah. is that, first of all, I'm in pajamas. So you don't have to get dressed up to do a fucking podcast. You do not. Second of all, uh, it's really funny when we do the 10 seconds of that air so we can capture our noises because we're literally just looking at each other yeah. for like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing going on there. Nope. Anyway, welcome back. We just uh, took a break and did whatever. Though. Feel free to adjust the mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a break. We talked about what we watched the last weekend and now we are going to the up into what we actually want to talk about which is uh, movies that we feel are sort of underappreciated or have somehow slipped under the radar. Mm-hmm. Of like most audiences, yeah. And even though some of these movies may have the movies that we're going to talk about may have high budgets and made a lot of money in the box office, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they were praised or acknowledged for what they did right. Exactly. And then that's why they're in the list. So, for example, I picked a Drive from with Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. from Nicholas Winding, and I, I picked Old Boy, and Which it, one? Uh, the original one, the good one, the yeah. Korean one, right. yeah. yeah. I picked Old Boy and Only God Forgives, which I'm briefly going to talk about because I didn't get too much into it. Okay. Uh, but I picked those movies, and Drive made $76 million in the box office yeah. with a budget of $15 million. Yeah. So these movies may make a lot of money, but doesn't mean that they were acknowledged what they did right. Exactly. And that's what we're talking about. Yep. So, Chris, yep. uh, I also watched Frank in preparation for this because I know that you'd you, you rave for that movie. Yes. It's fucking good. Yeah, I'll put uh, on for Frank. I definitely do. So it's so. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Frank. Frank. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for anything musical at all, you yeah. know. And uh, this story is about a um, it's about um, what's what's it, the main character's name is um, Don Hall Gleason. He's uh, he's been in Ex Machina, uh, Revenant, uh, in Star Wars. He was a uh, General Hux. Yeah, he looks like he looks like an Ed Sheeran. Like what? He looks like Ed Sheeran. 
Who's that? The musician, the redhead musician. I'm not all of this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's um he's in that he's the um he's a struggling artist music musician. So at the very beginning of the movie, you know, he's just walking up and down the street, up and down the roads, trying to find inspiration. And one of my favorite songs in there is that lady in the red shirt, what you doing with that bag? Lady in the blue shirt, do you know? The lady in the red shirt. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just completely silly like type stuff. You know, so for, from there, he uh, he ends up meeting uh, Michael Fassbender and uh, his who his, plays who, Frank, who plays Frank, mm. and Frank now he wears a um, what would you call that helmet thing that he's wearing? It's a it's, it's a fake head. Like, just a fake they, head. they call it a fake head in, yeah. the, in the movie. Just so a, let's just call it that. A large, oversized fake fake head. You yeah. Know? So um, he, he's wearing this the entire uh, movie for the most part. You know, you'll see that at the end mm. that he finally does take it off, but um, he's he's wearing that. So. Um, Donald Gleason meets up with that with that group and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal was good in that movie. Ma- I, I had to question if she was better than Jake after I watched that. You Here's know? the thing: I I think that there's a tangent, but I think that she is better than Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, yeah. But is that, I don't know. Jake Gyllenhaal. He has a weird fucking last name. Yeah, uh, I think he's better than Jake. Mm-hmm. She's better than Jake, but Jake has more sort of range. I think. Jake can play a lot more weird, where I feel like Maggie, I can see her in the same kind of papers, roles all the time. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to see more from Maggie. Like yeah, this, she's good. She's good. This this opened the doors for me in this movie. But um, just an, another favorite scene. Like we'll we'll go over this entire film. You know? <laughs> an, another favorite scene of mine is um, you can pull this clip up on YouTube too. Is uh Frank. He eventually gets fed up. You know, they're they're making music that they um they have their own artistic freedom mm-hmm. and they they keep their integrity and make the exact music that they want to make. You know, regardless yeah. of what people think about it. And eventually, like they're they're not really selling. No one's really paying attention to it. So Frank decides he's gonna make his most likable song ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah. So um so he 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 sings like the most pop cornball thing ever. Which, if you like pop, then you probably would like this song. You know, it's just Coca-Cola, let's the green go dance all night, dance all night. So he's just, it's just a ridiculous song that he sings. You know, and Maggie Gyllenhaal stares at him as he sings this deadpan. She's like, that's your most likable song ever? He's like, yeah. And still deadpan, she's like, people will love it. <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, she's not congratulating him on how great the song is. She's just speaking to what popular culture will like, you know. Yeah. And, and he was putting out shit. like, yeah, they will love it. I think this movie does two really good things. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it addresses, well, three. It addresses identity issues mm-hmm. really well. Yes. I mean, like to the point where it left me kind of like crying at the end of it. Mm-hmm. It addresses identity issues really well, and it also ident- uh, like sort of critiques the way popular consumerism of music works. Mm. And it, and then by that, it also critiques how human greed works. Yeah, And it does all those things so effortlessly, mm-hmm. so fucking smooth, yeah. that it's like sort of, it's like watching silk just kind of like fall down the table. Yeah, it's it, it was a phenomenal movie. And that movie came out 2013, right? 2013. And I avoided it because, like, who the fuck is going to watch a dude in a fake head? Yeah, that's the poster. That's the cover art. It's just a, a dude in a fake head. You don't see Michael Fassbender or no. Maggie Gyllenhaal, none of, the, none of that. So. And it just says Frank in the bottom. That's it. And, like, all right, nobody is going to give a shit about this. Yeah. And I ignored it for two years, and then you talked about it, and I watched it, and it caught me completely off guard. Yeah. It was one of the, it was. – I'm not going to lie. I had its moments where I was like, all right, mm-hmm. the fuck am I watching? Yeah. 
but it redeemed itself immediately after those moments and it was fucking fantastic it was one of my favorites yeah this isn't one of those straightforward uh movies that you're gonna watch so i mean you have to have a like of an odd peculiar type of sense of humor but i mean if, if you're willing to go down the rabbit hole with them like you said it's you you do get the payoff at it's, it's so good and but l- let's give a rundown of that movie mm-hmm. real quick like a very simple rundown right. uh donald what the fuck was his name uh his name is uh dom hall gleason dom hall gleason mm-hmm. his character uh, is like you said, a struggling musician mm-hmm. trying to find inspiration, mm-hmm. and then there's a band, a local band, sort of playing in a band mm-hmm. in, a, in a bar yeah. uh, at some point in the week, mm-hmm. and he happens to be walking along the beach when their pianist mm-hmm. uh, tries to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't die; he tries to kill oh, himself. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He goes to the hospital, yeah. and so Donald Gleason character is just like, "Well, I'm a pianist," mm-hmm. and the dude goes to talk to Frank, and he goes like, "All right, well, you're in. Show up at this gig." Yeah. And then from that moment on, he was drawn into a world that was going to be weird as shit. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole movie, we explored Donald Gleason's character sort of uh, not being able to find his own identity and sort of living off of Frank's identity. Definitely. And then when he sort of gets enough momentum with his own identity, mm-hmm. he starts corrupting Frank's identity. Definitely. And I think that's what the movie is about in the end. It's sort of like how identities don't match up. And sometimes one person can ruin your own identity. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that you have to deal with. Yeah. And as well as Mental Illness, a great poster movie for Mental Illness. It was a good movie. It was a fucking good movie. And uh, no, I don't, I don't want to go too far into antagonist, protagonist here because yeah. it will get a little boring here. But um, thankfully, at the end, Gleason's character... Redeems he, himself. He does and leaves. Yeah. He leaves. Like, they, they, the, the band grows. They come back together. And instead of corrupting them in any further, instead of trying to milk them for whatever he can get out of it, he realizes what they have is pure, and he leaves. He walks away. Absolutely. That, I think that was my favorite thing about the movie, yeah. the ending. The ending of the movie was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and the whole conflict of the movie is that they're going to play it South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And Donald Gleason's character is sort of pushing to have a more mainstream sound. Yep. Yep. A more uh, an identity that doesn't match up with the band's eventual yeah. identity. He wants them to get a little more notoriety. Exactly, and mm-hmm. shit goes wrong because the players of the band don't want to play for that crowd. Mm-hmm. Maggie Gyllenhaal certainly don't want to, doesn't want to play for that crowd. He does not. Uh, but Frank sort of goes along with it because he likes the idea of notoriety mm-hmm. and being known for something. Yeah. But in doing so, Frank loses his own identity and his own mental sanity that he already has because of the head yeah. starts sort of crumbling down. Mm-hmm. And tensions between Donald Gleason and Fassbender who plays Frank, mm-hmm. uh, sort of escalate to the point where Donald Gleason tries to take off the fake head to see the real Frank. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads to the third act of the, of the movie, which is a beautifully paced oh, thing where Donald Gleason realizes that he fucked up and he's trying to find Fastbender, mm-hmm. and he finds him and it's the first time that we see him without the head. Yeah. And, and you can tell that he's a broken man. And it just he's, he's been wearing this, this, uh, this head for so long that the top of his head, like the hair is just missing just from the um, the harness, yeah, the, the harness that's keeping the head on, you know. So it's it's just embedded into his scalp, you know. So I mean, that's how how long. It just to give you a picture how long he's wearing it. He wears it in the shower. He wears it to bed. You know, he's he's wearing this this head all the time. You know? And 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 by the time yeah, by the time that we get to the interaction between Donald Gleason's character and Fassbender's character, we can tell that Gleason went through his own identity issue he did. and realized that he fucked up. Mm-hmm. And now the idea is trying to fix what he did wrong. Mm. And he finds the original band. We're all playing together with the exception of a couple of characters that died. Yeah. And he somehow gets to gets them together. Gets Fastbender and the band together mm. again. 
and then Fassbender sort of starts expressing himself again because yeah. he there was a moment where he said he couldn't play because it all came out shit. Mm. Uh, drawing a parallel to Donald Gleason at the beginning of the movie when he said the exact same thing. Play, came out shit. Exactly. So what we're dealing with is two characters that have their own sense of identity mm-hmm. and they cross and their sense of identity got confused within each other mm-hmm. and then they switch places only to find their own identities again. again. Yeah. That's what the movie was about. And it did it so fucking well. It did. It did. So good. I mean, I'm a guy who doesn't have a problem admitting crime, especially in what was this, a comedy, I guess? Would you it was say? supposed to be a comedy. Sort of a comedy, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, 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 sh- I dropped a couple tears at the end just because when uh, like nobody significant dies at the end or anything like that. No. But what happens is when Frank is finally reunited with the band and uh, when he when he, walk, he walks back into the bar without the head on for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't, as a viewer, you don't know if you assume Maggie Gyllenhaal has seen him without the, the head, but you don't know if the other band members have ever seen him without this head, you know? Mm-hmm. So he just, he walks in with the microphone and just begins to express himself just speaking, not singing, just talking, you know, and to a point to where one of the other uh, band members takes the microphone and reaches it out and gives it to this stranger or, you know, whoever this is, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it is Frank, you know? But he eventually goes on to write a song expressing himself right there on the spot. Maggie Gyllenhaal just stands there staring at him until she feels it. And that's when the tears drop. When Maggie Gyllenhaal is staring at at, um, at Frank and she feels the emotion and she goes back to her instruments, you see her spazzing all the way out on yeah. her whatever instrument that is. It's a Thurman. A Thurman, yeah. yeah. She's spazzing out on the Thurman, you know, going completely nuts. And I mean, it's just, it felt so genuine, so natural that it's just, you felt what she was feeling there. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. Because yeah. uh, for me, it was the moment where a man that had been so broken, yeah. and for whatever reason, yeah. that the only way that he could communicate with himself was wearing this fake head. Mm-hmm sort of alluding to, like, people's wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, you know, wearing the mask that you see in person. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the metaphor that I got for the head. And when you see him walk into, a, first of all, a public place, mm-hmm. without the head, that used to be such a big part of his identity, mm-hmm. and then communicate with the people that he loved in such a way, yeah. it was just fucking beautiful. Because it was not only a man breaking his own mental illness, but it was a man finding that he could be what he was without depending on, on that the head. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was yeah. really great. Yeah. And not to mention that the song that came out of it was so sweet. Yeah, the, the final song is called I Love You All. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I still I have that soundtrack on my, on my phone as so well. So good. I recommend, listen, if you're in for a good movie mm-hmm. and you want to like feel like a genuine emptiness for a good movie. Because yeah. that's what it felt. It, the movie left me a little bit empty, but I think it was supposed to. Not empty in a bad way, just sort of like you watch a movie and you're like, ah, shit. Am I being that true to myself? That's mm-hmm. the message the movie sort of conveys to me. Yeah. And so, but if you want a good movie that will fucking just make you think as a person, yeah. not as a movie goer, you're watching the lives of two people, mm-hmm. go watch Frank. It is such a well-made and paced movie. The editing is fantastic. The cinematography looks great. And the humor is there. The humor it's, is definitely there. So good. It's all, it's there. I mean, I, I related it to um, just how I felt younger as a younger person, feeling that I, I wasn't able to express myself the way that I wanted to. Uh, at the expense of people not accepting me, yeah, you know, and just just the way that I speak or the way that I can, just anything, you know, just just not, not being able to be my complete self, you know, and still get ex- garner acceptance, you know, and then seeing Frank is like I, I just I didn't go so far as to wear you know full uh, head over, over top of my own head, <laughs> you know, 
But I mean, it's just in the way that I'm presenting myself, I'm basically was. Yeah, you're wearing a mask. Exactly. You're wearing your fake head. Exactly. But that's what this movie yep. did so right, because mm -hmm. it exaggerated what's normally a metaphor, mm -hmm. and it made it concrete. So you yep. can see the effects of it yeah. wholeheartedly. So, so at the end, when you see him walk in, no mask, just bearing himself completely and realizing that he doesn't need any of that. He can be his complete self and still be accepted by the people that matter. Exactly, him. which are his band members and friends. Yep. Uh, I didn't realize that Maggie was his girlfriend until like halfway through the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it really is such a great fucking movie. Very so good. I really encourage you to watch it at any point if you feel like it's a, like you want to like watch a genuinely good thought provoking movie. Watch Frank. You guys got Netflix? Check it out. Oh yeah, it is on Netflix. That's where I watch it. Mm -hmm. And also, I want to before we move on from Frank, there's a my favorite scene in the movie. I have two favorite scenes of that movie that made me genuinely laugh. Uh, there's one thing when they're about to go play in South by Southwest. Yeah. It's just Frank and and Donald um, because the whole band members left. Yeah. And they're alone. And Frank's sort of doing his anxiety thing and mm -hmm. he goes into a closet yep. and he comes back, comes back, comes back out with a head that has makeup and lipstick on <laughs> and like a dress and he just stands over the head and she goes like, let's fuck. Yeah. And I just fucking lost my shit in that scene. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, and then immediately afterwards, they have the scene where <laughs> they're playing South by Southwest, and Donald's trying to get into it, and Frank's trying to get into it, but he's sort of having a nervous breakdown as he does it, mm -hmm. and he breaks down and just passes out on the stage, and Donald's trying to get him to play and whatever, and he goes like, what's wrong, Frank? And yeah. Frank just looks at him, and he goes like, music's shit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Just, and like it was such a funny moment, but it served such a big purpose for that movie. It did, and uh, it's just uh, so good. I was looking at it, I was like, he, it was it was to the point where he needed a mask for his mask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he was he really wanted. To, I mean, he he had his um his support system was Maggie Gyllenhaal and his band. You know, so they were all gone, and all he has is this newcomer. You know, the new guy in the band, the pianist. Mm -hmm. You know, as his support system, so he goes in that closet. He makes the the head up. You know, it's a full, like, women's makeup, you know, just a, another extension of hiding himself. Yeah, just to hide the person that's hiding, yep. I think. And that was, uh, it just worked. It yeah. just worked. Yeah. Any closing thoughts on Frank? Go see it. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. It's on Netflix, Netflix. And go see it right now, because yes. it is fucking beautiful. Yep. It was one of the best movies that I saw. Yep. Moving on. All right, yeah. Any other movie that you feel like is on right now that you want to talk about? Um, Something real quick. I don't want to go too far into it. Um, Just because we have the same actor, Dumbhall Gleason. He's also in a television show called Black Mirror. Uh, I love Black Mirror. You watch Black Mirror? I watched Black Mirror. I loved it. Fucking right. So good. <laughs> yes. Black Mirror, it's on uh, It's on Netflix. It's kind of um, Twilight Zone-ish. It's, you know? it's I would call it a horror ontology. A horror but, ontology? Yeah, a horror. Okay. Uh, not necessarily in the gory sense of the word, but in the sort of... Um, I wouldn't call it cosmic horror, but the technological horror, I would uh, say. That's why I compare yeah. it more to the, the, the Twilight because of the science fiction aspect. Yeah. But it's not Twilight, you know. But it's just that's the closest thing that I can, you know, compare it to. Compare it to. It's yeah. really good. You know. But uh, yeah, Dom Hall Gleason, he's in the episode of, um, of Black Mirror. Pretty much, I think there's three, six, I think there's seven episodes of Black Mirror now on Netflix. Yep. They have uh, the newest episode was a Christmas episode. With, yeah, with um, John Hamm. With John Hamm from Mad Men. That was a really, really good episode. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. It was, I think it was my favorite episode of Black Mirror. It yeah. made me mine too, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But that, that anthology is really interesting. The guy that wrote it, Charlie Booker, mm -hmm. uh, he was a, he's a comedian oh. uh, in, in Britain. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of the sarcastic David Mitchell personality. Okay. And he wanted to, to just sort of 
express how technology can ruin us in a way and how it can help us but how it can ruin us and black mirror is it's like it's the 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 fucking what's the word it's just that it's just telling you that as the way that technology is going mm-hmm. if we go too far it can ruin us in the end yeah. that's what black mirror is and yeah. it's fucking fantastic yeah it's, it's a really good watch like i i definitely recommend that it's on netflix as well yep all seven episodes are on netflix and every episode about an hour long mm-hmm. something like that so it's pretty good yep. go watch it uh, what do you got? Oh, okay. Well, I watched two movies. Uh, well, no, we already talked about Frank. I watched Drive. Drive. Uh, with Ryan Gosling, directed by Nicholas Winding. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember who the female lead was in that? I, was that Maggie Gyllenhaal too? No, 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 no. That wasn't Maggie. Oh. I I know her name. It's Kate something. All right, we'll, we'll figure it out yeah. at some point. We'll do some research. But yeah, we'll Google it. You can search it while I talk. Yeah. Uh, so I was watching. Oh, that's right. We were watching, uh, I was watching Drive last night, and Drive was one of those movies that I avoided, too, because it's sort of, the way that it was marketed looked like a generic action movie. Yeah. It really did. Look at a generic action movie with uh, Ryan Gosling as the lead, Mm -hmm. and like a love interest with a dad and whatever, and I just didn't care for it. But, upon watching that movie, it's one of the best movies that I've seen. Like, it's really fucking good. And the reason why it's good is because we, I think, is we have a return of the, of the hero without a name, yeah. like Ryan Gosling's character is one of the most fascinating characters that I've seen in any recent sort of action story. Uh, first, uh, he has no name; you know nothing about him. The first time that you see him, he says, "You have, I'll take you. You have five minutes. Anything happens before or after those five minutes." You're on your own, yep. but within those five minutes, I'm yours, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I should explain the plot, I yeah, guess. Yeah, what, what he does, yeah. He's a, he's a professional stunt driver mm-hmm. during day, but during night, he's a getaway driver uh, for criminals. Mm-hmm. So criminals hire him, and he he pretty much tries to get him away from the scene yeah. and successfully escape the cops. Yep. Uh, so that's his whole premise. Mm-hmm. He's just a driver. Yep. Doesn't matter how he's doing it, he just drives. And that is his name in the film. Like yep. I said, no name, he's just a driver. He's just a driver. Uh, and uh, he, the movie opens up, and we see him going like uh, three minute, five minutes, after, before five minutes, uh, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. During those five minutes, I'm yours. And then he just goes off, and we get this exciting fucking chase sequence yeah. like immediately like five minutes into the movie yeah. we see we get told that he's a criminal first mm. and then he's robbing a thing he drives back a beautifully filmed and paced action sequence that's some of the best work the cinematography on that movie so is good amazing. yes it is fucking phenomenal yeah. uh because everything every shot just kind of lingers mm-hmm. and every shot just kind of lets you know that although nothing is being said there's a lot going emotionally mm. So, I mean, and for being trapped inside a car. Yeah. Filming inside a car is not easy. No. Uh, because you, it's not a lot of, a lot of room. It's the not. camera's big. It's unwieldy. Mm-hmm. But whatever this movie did to get that beautiful in-car, making the cars feel like they're open. Yeah. And like a room where the character inhabits instead of an object. Yeah. It's hard to do. And this movie did it fucking perfectly. Yeah, it I never felt like any other cars were just there for being cars. Yeah, no. There were a room it was a space that room. he was inhabiting, yep. and it was great. And so, some of the actors, because, I mean, there were, there were some pretty big-name actors. Um, Ron Perlman played Nino. He you did. might know him from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yep. He was really good. Brian Cranston. I mean, I'm sure Malcolm in the Middle. Um, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, but most notably. Ice, Oscar Isaac. 
Oscar no. Isaac. I didn't expect him in this movie. He was fucking phenomenal. If you don't know the name Oscar Isaac by now, then you will in a couple of years. Yeah. This guy is, he's heading through the roof. I mean, we've probably mentioned him on the last three podcasts just talking about different things. Yeah. You know, and he's in everything. Uh, Christina Hendricks, uh, most notably, she's from Mad Men, mm-hmm. which you might have seen her in, um, uh, there's a new television show with um, yada, 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 so I can't <laughs> um, The female lead that we were looking for, her name was Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, that's her. She was phenomenal, too. Yeah. She was really good. That, that, uh, here's the thing. The thing about this movie is that the cast is all, the way that it's filmed is very intimate. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of wide shots, I think. No. There's a whole, everything's kind of like medium or close. I mean, that's, that was, that was the, the highlight of the movie to me, is how, how well they shot confined spaces. Yeah. You, you brought up the, the, the car scenes, but I'm, my favorite scene, my favorite shot was in the elevator. Oh yeah, the elevator scene with um with him and the female lead. They're just they're standing in there, and then a guy walks in, and you know that it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we get the sort of like nice slow motion effect. Mm-hmm. We see the guy flash his gun, yeah. and then we see Goslin kind of like pull the lead away from the guy. Mm-hmm. And sorry, go on. I no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just explaining it. I mean, it's just it, it was one of the better scenes of that movie, and just in, in film in general for me. You mm-hmm. know, it's just the, the way that it was done is capturing and, and it's like another thing about it is not heavy on dialogue no the, the no, dri- not really. drive, driver is not heavy on dialogue at all that elevator scene is just you're expressing what you're trying to say through the cinematography through the camera work through the actors and through emotion more so with, than with words yeah you know i actually now that i mentioned that it's barely in a dialogue i took notes on it i took like two small pages of notes on it and one of the notes was from minute three to minute 17, Ryan Gosling does not talk. Exactly, yes. There is background noise. There's people talking to Gosling, mm. but he does not talk. No. For 14 minutes of the movie, our lead does not fucking say a word. Mm-hmm. And that repeats itself pretty much. I mean, he only pretty much has one line answers. He doesn't speak much. Yeah, he doesn't. No one speaks very much in no. this movie. No, uh, Except for Nino. Nino, yeah. That's the guy that speaks the most in the movie. No yeah. And that serves, like, when none of your characters speak. And you have a character that speaks way too much, mm-hmm. you immediately alienate that character. Yep. And it did that perfectly. Yes. Because it turns out that um, Carrie Mulligan's character, mm-hmm. she has a kid with Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. And Oscar Isaac just got out of jail, mm-hmm. like for, I'm guessing, a robbery. Yeah. And the people that he paid money to in the jail uh, to protect him mm-hmm. while he was inside now want his money back. And so they're using him to get one last job done, yeah. which is to steal a million dollars from another family mob. Yeah. Uh, but they don't know that. They just think they're going to rob a pawn shop. Yeah. And the reason why Ryan Gosling is involved in this is because bef- before Benicio went back into the, into the house, mm-hmm. he got out of jail, uh, Ryan Gosling befriended Carrie Mulligan and her son, and he sort of helps her out with like, her car and just be a friend and yeah. just be there, be a neighbor. And when Benicia came back, he really cared for this family. Mm-hmm. He really, I don't think he cared much about Benicia. No. Uh, but, no, Benicia was the kid. Standard was the dad. Was that Standard? Yeah, Standard was oh. the dad. Standard Gabriel was Oscar okay, Isaac. Okay, okay. Sorry, fucked up. Every Benicia replaced it with Standard. There we go. You do, uh, that, do that in your mind. <laughs> so Standard came home, mm-hmm. and he really, really, really didn't care about Standard. I don't think he liked him at all. Mm-hmm. But he cared about Carrie and the kid. Yeah. And... When he comes home one day from like a, from the garage, he finds Standard beat up and the kid watching. Yeah. And he realizes that Standard's still in trouble with the mob. And he said, all right, I'll help you out. 
uh, this is your last job. Mm. I'm doing this for you so you can go back to your wife and kid. Mm. Despite the fact that Ryan Gosling does have emotional, does like love the neighbor, yeah. I would say. Mm. Uh, he decides to help Isaac to get back to his family. Mm. And what happens is the job was a, was a hit yeah. for Oscar Isaac. So the this so that, uh, who the fuck's the guy that's in charge of Nina? Bernie, um, I think it was his name. I can't think of his name. I can find out. It was the, the boss man. The yeah. boss man that's in charge of Nino. He wanted a million. Nino wanted a million dollars because he worked for the for yeah. this family. B- Bernie Rose. Yeah, name. Bernie Rose. Yeah. And so it's just, it's basically mob things. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling gets involved uh, for trying to help Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. who didn't know that he was going to get hit. Oscar Isaac gets killed. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the movie, this is no longer a romance movie or an action movie. Mm-hmm. This turns into a revenge movie. Yep. And it is so good at doing that that you're like, oh, shit, Ryan Gosling's fucking pissed. I mean, this right here, it, it cemented Ryan Gosling for me as one of the better actors in Hollywood. Because, like I said, the, the, the no-speaking thing was one, but it's just, it, it came off kind of like a, um, a Clint Eastwood, um, the man's it's man. exactly what, yeah, the man with no name. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, there we go, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It came off very Clint Eastwood to me, you know, it was just that, um, just his stature, his, his aura, his essence of everything that he was, it didn't need to be carried by words, you know? Nope. You knew exactly what that man was. When the, when when the elevator opens and you see him just standing there, you know exactly what he is, who he is, you know, without him having to speak, you know? It's so good. It, like, the cinematography is amazing, is. like we said. And it carries everything that that movie wants to do. I know we're short on time, uh, but we're going to go a little longer because mm-hmm. this is a good episode, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, but Drive, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling. One of the best movies out there. Yes. And highly recommend. Is that still on Netflix? No, it's not. Yeah, I have to download it sadly. Um, But in terms of like good writing, Mm -hmm. good directing, Mm -hmm. really good directing, and good uh, cinematography, Drive is one of my favorite fucking movies out there. And the soundtrack. And the soundtrack for that movie was so good. There's a song on there. If you can find it, it's called Night Call. And um, it's, it's from it's from the movie, but yeah, da- download that if you can. Spotify, iTunes, whatever you gotta do. Night call from the soundtrack of Drive. And none. And this movie felt like the '80s, yeah, but like probably. a modern version of the modern '80s. Version of 80s yeah, yeah. Like it took everything that '80s action movies sort of had, including the soundtrack and the sort of the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of like colorful and illuminated. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing. The lighting for this movie, holy A1. shit! A1 holy lighting. shit! Because uh, most of the movie takes place at night, yeah. and it never feels like an empty road. It never feels like a black car. Yeah. It never feels like anything that's obs- like obstructed. Yeah. Everything is done with such purpose, including the lighting inside the car. Yeah. When he's driving, the lights that flash over him, yep. the jello hue yeah. of like just sunset. Ah, it's just so good. It looks amazing. It looks so good. It's it a does. beautiful fucking movie. Ryan Gosling does an amazing job at it. And really, don't look at it as an action movie. Look at it uh, as a movie. Yeah, if you go in expecting high action, then you may leave disappointed. If you just if you want to see really, really, really good acting, really good cinematography, I mean, then that's your movie. I don't think there was a bad actor in that movie. There wasn't. No, no, I don't think there was a bad. Actor. Everyone was good. Even the background people were. Yeah. First of all, there weren't even many background people. Mm-hmm. It's a very intimate story, and that's what I love. Yeah, I mean, Brian Cranston was like 
number five on the list, you know, so, so I mean, just, <laughs> that's how good the cast is, you know. It's so good. It's really good. So, yeah, def definitely recommend that. Check out Drive if you want, like, if you want another really good movie, mm -hmm. check out Drive. And don't expect anything out of it. No, yeah, just watch it. Watch it. Yeah. Because it's good. It's so good. Yeah. And before, I, I, I'm not going to get too into Only God Forgives because mm -hmm. I didn't finish it. Okay. But... Another really good Ryan Gosling movie. This came out at the same year, okay. I think. Uh, Only God Forgets and Drive. Okay. Uh, which was a weird thing to do because they're really similar movies stylistically. Mm. Uh, not in terms of plot or like the way that it's written and delivered. I think the directors are even different. But it's another one of those like really stylized, super good lighting cinematography movies mm. that can err on the size of pretentiousness. Yeah. But it looks beautiful, and you should actually check it out. I'm going to watch it uh, when we're done with the podcast, actually. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I'm going to have to see it myself. It's pretty good. I, I, I'm only, I only met it about 20 minutes in, and, uh, uh, and I really liked it. What about you? Um, I've seen one other. Um, I've, I've seen this movie 30, 40, 50 times already, but I want to just rehash it just so we could talk about it today. Jungle Fever. Jungle Fever? I've never seen that. Jungle Fever. I mean, it's... um. Initially, people thought it was about um, black and white people, you know, because mm -hmm. on the cover it shows a black hand and a white hand, you know, coming together. Uh, basically, it's about um, Wesley Snipes, the blackest black person you're ever going to meet. <laughs> you know? Not not in the way that he acts so much, but I'm just saying his he's black, he's as black. black. He's black as shit. He knows he, that he's shit. He's fucking black. <laughs> anyway, he's yeah. like so black, he's almost purple. He's, we call it purple. <laughs> yeah, purple. Just so black. But yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes, he's in it. And um, his, uh, what's his character name? Uh, Skipper. Is mm -hmm. his name in the in the movie, and um, he has a, a, a new lady that's working with him, a white girl. She's uh, Italian. They uh, they both live in Brooklyn, in New York. She starts working with him, and eventually they're working long nights and they're they're together alone, mm -hmm. and they eventually hook up. You know, okay. by hook up I mean he puts his penis inside of her. <laughs> 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 All right, now you know if the euphemism was getting across correctly. So I mean, yeah, so that that happens. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> so um, so 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 that happens, and then he uh, but he's married. He's still married. He's married to a um to a light skinned black woman. Oh uh, shit! And, Sorry, uh, I turned into an audience member <laughs> now. That was fucking great. But the um, he, he's married to a light skinned black woman, and um and in that in the black community, it's, it's a weird thing that um the light skinned people are kind of looked at as kind of accepted, and the dark skinned uh, people are not. You know. I don't know if it's, it's held that highly now, but this is in the 80s, you know, to where it just was. So it was a big thing. It's like, black guys, you know, you first you get a light-skinned girl, and now you just want to go lighter and lighter. Eventually, you get a white girl, and, you know, the Kanye gold digger, you know, that when he get on, he leave you ass for a white girl. I mean, it's just the, the exact same thing on over and over. But it, it was more than the race relations between blacks and whites. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the movie essentially was about the crack epidemic that was going on, especially in New York. Um, the character Gator. Gator <laughs> sounds like a crackhead. He is a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> he is a crackhead. <laughs> G Gator. Gator is a uh, Wesley Snipes' brother, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Oh shit! Yes. Now, there's only a few crackhead roles that I've ever liked ever. You know, uh, bu Bubbles from The Wire, um, Sam Samuel Jackson's Gator from uh, from from this right here. And then um, Chris Rock in New Jack City. Pookie. Pookie. You know, Pookie, Gator, and Bubbles. Those are the Pookie, only... Pookie, Gator, and Bubbles? Pookie, <laughs> Pookie, Gator, and Bubbles are the only crackheads that I really, really like in uh, movies and television. Gator was the central crackhead. Now, this guy, he has... 
he has a, his mother and his father. You know, his father's a reverend. He's mm -hmm. been a reverend for since they were growing up. You know, so they have a very strict values and guidelines to the way that they should live. You mm -hmm. know. And um, he's become a strung out uh, drug addict, and his father no longer wants him inside the house. Like, not okay. even to visit him or his mother. Nothing. No contact. Get house. Yeah, no contact. So, um, Gator would come over whenever the dad was gone, or whenever he thought he was gone. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, at one point, he, he pretty much tries to finagle his mom out of money through different kind of stuff or whatever. He'll come up dressed up as best as he can, be like, yeah, I only need $20. You know, I got me a job interview. You know, all they said, I had to pay $20 for the application. You know, I'm good. Like, $20 application, you know? <laughs> she gives him money eventually. One day he comes over and says that he did get the new job and he needs to borrow the television because they're, they're going to be doing something, something, something. So if she lets him borrow the television, you know, leaves, comes back to the mother's house about a week later. She asks him about the television. You yeah. know, he's like, where's the television? He's like, no, I need some more money. I need more money. No, but where's the television? Where's the television? I smoke the television. <laughs> that's, that's where the TV is, you know. Or, or he, uh, he asks Wesley Snipes, his brother, he sees him in the park. With um, Spike Lee, uh, what's his name? Spike Lee are talking about um, uh, the, the him having sex with a white woman. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, Samuel Jackson walks up and he's like, "Yo, can I can I borrow some money?" He's like, "No, I can, you ain't gonna get no more money. You come to me all the time, I'm not giving you no money." You know, so Samuel Jackson, the crackhead, he walks up like, "Hey, yo, you know, I would hate." To go hit some old lady over the head and take her pocketbook for her money. But you know I do it. You know I do it. I like smoking crack. Yeah, I do it because I'm a c -c 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 crack head. You know, he goes into the whole crackhead dance and everything in the song. The whole thing. So he eventually gives the money, you know. But it's, it, it, it wasn't just about the, uh, the black and white relations. It was more about how drugs were tearing apart families, you know. Yeah, that sounds like a, like a very comedic approach to to dealing with that issue oh yeah who who, do you know who directed it spike lee spike lee mm -hmm. yeah and that was um early on um one of our professors was talking about how preachy he was mm -hmm. you know and this film is 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 preachy but not pushy yeah okay. you know so i mean it, it definitely has an, a, an agenda but it doesn't force it down your throat it, gi it gives you angles you can look at it this way you can look at it this way it also goes into um the jewish people that are living in um in brooklyn the italian people that are li living in brooklyn so it goes from every angle you know how black people talk talk when white people aren't around how white people talk when black, black people, people aren't around. around how italian people talk about every other but you know what I'm it just goes into every single aspect it's really really good fun fact that has nothing to do with the movie mm -hmm. but uh, i heard from a friend that used to live in new york Mm -hmm. uh, that sometimes people that because the Jews and Italians often share neighborhoods. Yeah. People that were Jewish Italian, meaning they come from like a Jewish parent and a, an Italian, Italian parent, okay. they were sometimes referred to as pizza bagels. Pizza <laughs> bagels. <laughs> the Italian. Okay, yeah, I, get, I see what that. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is my favorite fact that I know. Just pizza bagels. Oh, pizza bagel. <laughs> that, for, for a Jewish uh, Italian person. Yep. That's not one of my favorites. No, not at all. <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> but Jungle Fever does sound like a really interesting movie. It's so good. It's it's really 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 good. Like I mean, I recommend that. That's one of my favorite Spike Lee movies ever. Okay. And, Jungle uh, Fever. I'll check it out. And the last thing, we, me and you were watching this at the end of, of the podcast. <laughs> old last Greg. Week. Old Greg. Before we get into Old Greg, let me talk about Old Boy a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a that was that was my other pick. Okay. Uh, it's a foreign film that's Korean. Mm -hmm. I think yes. I forgot the director's name. Korean movie, uh, Old Boy, mm -hmm. and it's about this drunk alcoholic yep. that's sp spending the night in a cop in a cop station mm -hmm. until his brother or someone comes bailing him out, mm -hmm. and then he gets kidnapped and he gets put in a room 
for 15 years, like a sort of like an extent, like a like a luxury prison. Yeah. For 15 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets put into this goddamn prison. Yeah. And he wakes up and we see that like the first 30 minutes of the movie is just his routine in the prison. Mm-hmm. And we see how his sanity sort of breaks down in that prison yeah, and how he's it. always trying to constantly escape. Yeah. And then when he actually does escape, he's sworn into a new world, mm-hmm. modern technology, mm-hmm. modern yeah, ideologies, strange. no idea what's going on. Yeah. And he meets this girl <laughs> that he immediately sort of, it's the first human contact he's had in 15 years. Yeah. So he immediately sort of like, falls for her and they fall in love and whatever and he's obviously driven by insanity yeah. and the whole movie is about it's it's another revenge story yeah, movie it essentially Definitely. it's a revenge and redemption but it's an interesting take on revenge because the revenge isn't to get his old life back he it's knows not. that's gone yep. he lost that the first year he was in the prison mm-hmm. and but now it's like knowing why he was in the prison and why he was released from the prison yep. that's what the plot of the movie yep. is and it's yeah that's it it's looking for answers mm-hmm. and I think it's a great interpretation of a sort of like an Oedipal complex and what an Oedipal complex Oedipus Oedipus was the Greek dude that banged his own mom Oedipus 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 okay, that's yeah. it yeah it was, he was the dude that banged his own mom yep. and then gouged out his eyes mm-hmm. uh, the lady that he meets mm-hmm. turns out to be his daughter yep and they ended up having sex and it's our whole fucking emotional revelation mm-hmm. it's fucking insane alright mm-hmm. this movie's weird and but it's a good action revenge film along the lines of Drive. Like it's yeah. not overly actiony, it's not overly heavy on dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's just a good old straightforward. This is what's happening in this movie. Yeah. And uh, the editing is fantastic. Korean cinematography as usual is pretty fucking good. Yep. And the writing is phenomenal, in my opinion. I'm gonna go ahead and tell the listeners to go ahead and, and throw yourself off the, the window if you haven't seen Old Boy. Have you not seen Old Boy? <laughs> it's so good. But it's one of those movies that's really good. But unless you're like interested in foreign film or you're like us, film students, yeah. you're probably not going to hear too much about it. Well, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, because it sort of slides under the radar of being a foreign film. Yeah. And it might be a foreign film, but it's a very relatable film. It's, yeah, it's it's one of the better films that come from there. I mean, Itchy, Itchy the Killer, you know, I really like this, comes from that same uh, area. But, but yeah, Old Boy, if you haven't seen Old Boy, then yeah, like... Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. You gotta see it. And it has one of my favorite fight scenes ever. The one versus a hundred in the hallway. Oh, man. So good. Uh, It's it's a lateral movement, sort of like a side scroller. Mm. And you see uh, Oda Su just kick ass walking from the start of the hallway to the end of the hallway. Where is the boss man that he's going to get information from? And it just kicks so much ass the whole way. And it's a beautiful looking scene. And it inspired one of my favorite fight scenes. From Daredevil, the hallway scene. I was about to say it's it's it's, it's been done a number of times. Now you brought up Daredevil. It's been done in a in a movie called The Raid. Okay. And it's been done in um, shoot, I'm not gonna be able to think of this the name of this one. Uh, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer from left to right. I fucking love that yeah, movie. I'm gonna add that one to the list of movies that you should see that you haven't probably seen. Yeah. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. It's fucking amazing. I can't even remember the um. There was a song, like I said, I'm really intrigued with with music, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's Kirsten Dunst. Is that the uh, the blonde that plays in the teacher, the school teacher? I think what, so. It may be Kirsten Dunst, but yeah, Reese Witherspoon, I think it was. Was it Reese? I th- it's, she looked like Reese. Yeah, so yeah, Reese Witherspoon, Kirsten Dunst, <laughs> uh, a blonde white lady, <laughs> you know, in her mid thirties. Yeah, it was probably Kirsten, not Reese. But way, go on, yeah. you know, but um, but yeah, she she's leading the children, you know, in a song, you know. So what what happens if the uh, the train stops? 
we all die. <laughs> what happens if the engine stops? We, we all, all die. die. Yeah, and it's like, and they just sing a whole song about, you know, if the engine stops, then we die, yada, yada. But it's, it's sang in like such an upbeat and happy tone. And I, I love it. It's like, really the, discordant. But, mm-hmm. okay, here's why I love that movie. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's, it's humorous. It has a lot of humor in it. Yeah. But it also has a lot of political commentary mm-hmm. on it. Like, it's, it's pure class warfare. Yeah. That's what the movie is. Mm-hmm. No doubts about it. But it's also saying how, like, people, when... Because this is the world in a very small scale. Yep. That's in the strain. Yep. Because the world is frozen. Mm-hmm. And they've now scaled back down the entirety of the world into this one train. Mm-hmm. So you have what's a very concentrated thought. So, like, the bottom of the train is obviously the poor people. The middle of the train is literally the middle class. And then the top of the clan is first literally the, the first class. Yep. So apart from the obvious metaphor of like the poor class having a resolution and moving towards the end of the train, mm-hmm. we have this thing in the middle with Reese Witherspoon and not fucking Kirsten Dunst. No, but look at her. Yeah, <laughs> but with that lady, when they're talking about this and you realize that it's also making a religious commentary mm-hmm. about that because that's how religions are sort of formed. They, you're sort of tell that there's a higher power that you can control. And if that higher power decides it, then you're fucked. And so that movie deals with all of those issues in an hour and a half, and it does it amazingly. So, yeah, it was actually another um, blonde white girl in her mid-30s. Alison Pill. <laughs> Alison Pill. Yeah, she, she was in the newsroom, and uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, shit, she's done some good work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Midnight in Paris. Nice. Yeah, Woody Allen movie. Yeah, so yeah, she was in that. But all right. Yeah, uh, I'm, we're not going to get into Snowpiercer. That's an episode of its own. Yep. But if you want a good movie that takes advantage of, of, of like a very specific style of cinematography mm-hmm. and a very specific style of social commentary, mm-hmm. go watch Snowpiercer, too, because it's really good. Uh, and look out for left-to-right movement yeah. in that movie. Because yeah. every time there's a decision, there's only two possible options. Yep. And it's either go go right towards the top of the train or go oh, back. Towards the back, yeah. And... and Oh, fuck that movie made me cry, man. Yeah. John Hurt's in that movie. Uh, John Hurt. John Hurt. John, just sorry, John Hurt. He played uh he played the ward doctor in Doctor Who. He's a really good old actor. Oh. Uh, he was in that movie. Surprised the shit out of me. But everything that movie made me cry like a couple of times throughout. So mm-hmm. watch Snowpiercer. Here's our list so far: Snowpiercer, uh, Drive, Only God Forgives, Frank. Frank, Black Mirror, Black Mirror, and Jungle Fever, and Jungle Fever, yep. six really good movies mm-hmm. that we feel like aren't recognized enough yeah. for what they did. Yeah, and we've told you why. Now, please, if you're interested in anything that we've said, go watch all of those movies and give them some love because they are amazing. And I want to throw a wild card in there, the old Greg wild card. It's <laughs> just the most silly thing that you're going to find on uh, on YouTube. You may have already seen it. It has 15 billion views and likes already. All the you know, shit, too. Yeah, yeah, it's been out for quite a while. So I hope you've already seen this already. But if you have not, it's uh, made by the Mighty Boosh, um, the British comedians. They're, over there. They're still producing things, but by far, I feel like their best work is old Greg. Check it out on YouTube. Sweet. Old Greg. I'm old Greg. I got a mangina. <laughs> you don't know what I got. <laughs> anyway, we made it to 45 minutes talking about movies. That was That's a, impressive. That was a long segment. That I think was, it was a good uh, segment. That was good. Yeah, yeah I think so. It was a really good segment. Listen, like we said before, if you're interested in any of these movies, if you're interested in just good directing, good writing, and good cinematography, go watch these movies. They're fantastic movies to study as a... We're film students, so we study these films uh, not only for fun, 
but because there are jobs. Mm -hmm. And we love them because they teach us what to do, what not to do, and it helps us find our own voices. If you're a film student, or if you're in any way related or interested in studying films for more than just for fun, go watch any of those six movies because you will have an amazing time. And if you can, I encourage you. Not a lot of people do this, but I encourage you to take notes when you watch any of these movies. Mm. Because when you take notes, and I'm just going to be a quick aside, when you take notes in a movie, you start noting down the psychology of the characters mm. and you start nailing down the psychology of the cinematography. Mm -hmm. And you can go back and you can look at all those thoughts after you've watched a movie and sort of see what the movie did to you as a viewer. Yes. And then analyze that and see what it does for you as a filmmaker. Yes. That's why I take notes whenever I watch really good movies. And that's why I have three pages of fucking drive notes. Yeah. But nothing, they really don't say anything else other than like, holy shit, that cinematography looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's all that says. Yeah. But it felt, it, it helps to take notes on movies. So if you're in any way interested, do that. I recommend it. Okay. And I think that's it for now. I think that that was it. Yeah, anything anything else? Is there anything else that you would like to talk about before we close? Oh, we covered it. This, um, we're going to our last segment of the TV premieres for and, and movie premieres for next week. All right, perfect. So we're going to take another little break. I'm going to go pee, and then we're going to go back with the closing segment. All right. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening. And we're back. What's up? Alrighty, we got uh, the TV premieres for this week. Alright, uh, we're going to start on February the 11th, uh, this Thursday. We got Grey's Anatomy coming back to ABC. Is that still fucking going It's on? still fucking going. Uh, what's, Jesus. What's the blonde that was on there? Um, Catherine... Seated? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Catherine Heigl. Okay. Yeah, I, don't really, I don't really know if she's on there anymore, but yeah. Uh, Grey's Anatomy is coming back at uh, 8 p.m. February 11th, Thursday night. Uh, the next show, uh, right after that, is uh, Scandal at 9 p.m. That's coming back, so all you uh, Kerry Washington fans, uh, go ahead and watch out for that. That's she is very fierce. Yes. <laughs> she is. I don't like the show. Mm. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. But if there's one thing i got to give it, like, props for mm. some writing like a fucking badass female character yeah that shit's really good <laughs> yeah she's a great female lead i watched the the first two seasons the first season's really good but the the name of the show is scandal so i guess i should have expected it to be scandalous you know? <laughs> i mean that's every season is it just it's so much drama it's yeah. just a little much for me but it's a really good show it gets good reviews yeah um written by, by the same writer and same creator uh, the show right after that on ABC at 10 p.m. is How to Get Away with Murder. That guy is making bank. Woman. That, girl, that lady is making yeah. bank. Yeah. So um, both of those, all three of those shows are coming back on uh, ABC February 11th. Uh, nice. The next, next day we have is Saturday, February the 13th. Now, the reason I have this, now, what's coming up is the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit of 2016. That's yeah. going to be on TNT at 10.30 p.m. on Saturday. The reason I put this on there... Because there's not going to be any good cinematography on there. There's not going to be any good writing, any dialogue on there. It's the fucking Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Sometimes you just need to enjoy a little bit of 
Um, Hot people. You're damn right. It's, it's fine. Yeah. 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 And, and you never know. I mean, they could be geniuses for all we know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Cindy Crawford turns Maybe out. Maybe one of them sponsors Hillary eight years from now. There, there you go. <laughs> That's not what I'll be watching for, but yeah, you should watch Sports Illustrated. Uh, that so was, good. now that you mentioned Sports Illustrated, there was one actress. I don't fucking remember her name. But she's, she was a lingerie model and actress. Yeah. And she got signed in for Sports Illustrated. Nice. So if you're looking to see interesting people, you might as well... Oh, yeah. Tune in. I'll be checking that out. have a, a favorite of Kathy Ireland. She's a swimsuit model from like the, the early 90s. <laughs> got me through a, my whole adolescence. She got me through my whole adolescence with those Sports Illustrated magazines, if you get where I'm going here. And on <laughs> poor, Sunday. Just <laughs> fucking breeze through that one. On Sunday, uh, February the 14th, Valentine's Day, as a matter of fact, uh, Comic Book Man is coming back on AMC. That comes on at midnight. That's Comic the, Book uh, Man? Comic Book Man, the show with um, Kevin Smith. Oh, mm-hmm. he still he does that. He has a like a like a televised version of it. Yeah, Comic, oh, comic Book Man. It comes on at midnight. Shit, because I've only heard he has like seven podcasts. Now Jeez. he has like a fucking television yeah, show. He Jesus, does, he does a lot. Um, one of my favorite shows on HBO is called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. That was a really good show. Yeah, fucking love that. That's the premiere season. Premiere is coming up on Valentine's Day, Sunday the fourteenth, nice. eleven p.m. HBO. And then the moment I've been waiting for for this Valentine's Day is The Walking Dead. Ah, shit. You're a Walking Dead fan? Yeah. yeah. We should do an episode on The Walking Dead because I'm not a Walking Dead fan. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that then. You know, the but that premieres when? For uh, Sunday. This Sunday, Sunday at, um, at 10 p.m. Ah, shit. The Walking Dead. People are going to bang and then tune into The Walking Dead. That's what's going to happen this Sunday. Yeah, Valentine's Day, yeah. <laughs> Valentine's Day is about zombies now. Wow. Uh, the following day, Monday, February the 15th, is the 58th uh, Grammys. Oh, shit. Yeah. Dang, there's 58 of them? The 58th Grammys. It's going to be hosted by Cool J. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I believe it's like his second or third time doing it. He's a, he has he's the one with the lip sync show, right? Cool Is he I think so. Maybe so. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the lip sync show is also a really good show to check out. I don't know when it comes out. I watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else here. Oh, a show that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It's called um, 112263. But that's that's the name of it, you know. Is November twenty second. Is that the Kennedy assassination? It is, yeah. J.J. Abrams adaptation of a Stephen King time travel novel. Oh, about the JFK I remember assassination. that shit. Yeah, that was good as shit. Unfortunately, it's only going to be on Hulu. Fuck. Yeah, it's only on Hulu. That's <laughs> the only way you'll be able to watch it. It's starring James Franco, um, directed by J.J. Abrams, adaptation of. Uh, Stephen King. Which is an adaptation of history, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, about a JFK assassination. So, I mean, it's, you have so many reasons to watch this. I mean, as long as That's you're That's actually pretty dope. I, I read the premise. I didn't read the story, but I read, like, the premise of that story. Mm-hmm. And it sounded interesting as hell. I, I want to see it. I don't yeah. have Hulu, but I'll try to find a way. Um, and still on that day, Monday, February the 15th, uh, Better Call Saul comes back. Better, I put it on my Netflix queue because mm-hmm. I know that it's a good show. Yep. And I haven't gotten around to watching it. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. I haven't seen one episode. I mean, it's a prequel to Breaking Bad, and I love Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was know? good. Yeah. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was one of the shows that was a little too much for me because every time I watched it, I was like depressed. Oh. <laughs> like it just—it was just a fucking bummer. Oh. But good show. Yeah. 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 Really, really good. So better. Wait. So let's better call a song. Mm-hmm. Prequel to Breaking Bad. Yep. It's uh. Some people may not know it's the fucking it's Saul Goodman from yep. Breaking Bad. Saul Goodman. His story, his side of the story mm-hmm. before Breaking Bad happened. Yep. I I hear it's good. People yep. love it. I mean, it's it's coming back for another season, so some, somebody's watching it. Yep. You know, um, it's so like I said, that's AMC 10 p.m. 
Uh, then moving on to Wednesday, uh, last day of the week before we're back. Let's see here. Uh, February the 17th, Wednesday, Broad City. My shit, Broad City. Now, I mentioned it earlier because Hannibal Burris is in it. Mm-hmm. He's he's not a main character, but he's, he's in every other episode or so. But um, Elana and Abby are the names. of That's their real names and their names on the show. Mm-hmm. Elana and Abby. Huge crush on both of them. I mean, <laughs> it's, and it's not about the way that they look. Yeah. I was talking to my girlfriend about that, if she, if she finds them attractive or not. And I'm like, look at their personalities. You know, personality goes a long way. You know, if you put that personality inside of Whoopi Goldberg, I'm going to find Whoopi Goldberg attractive. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, personality goes a long way for me. And both of these girls have it. What's, uh, fill me in on Broad City, because I feel like that's a show that not a lot of people know about. Broad Broad City, you know, is exactly what what it's saying. I mean, it's just, it's two women, Ileana, Ilana and Abby, and they're living their life in New York City. Okay. You know, so it's just, the things that they have to deal with are like, um, they're walking down the street and they're being themselves. You've seen the thing on the internet, the resting bitch face that they talk about? All right, so it's um, them just walking down the street casually and normal, and then um, a guy walks in and he's like, hey, you should smile. And then they're like, okay. And they put big grins on their faces then flip them off at the same time. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you telling me that I should smile? This is my face, you know? So it's just dealing with things that women, uh, millennials, you know, so 25 and under, you know, women. What am I going to be dealing with? Yeah, things that they have to deal with, you know, so re- relationships, that, things like that. That should be an interesting show to, like, see how women interact with the world. Yeah, it is. And the, uh, the showrunner is um, Amy Poehler. Amy, po- Amy Poehler is fantastic. Yes, she is. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler has been some of my favorite writers lately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to mention another show that's totally not in the same league as Broad City for what it looks like. But uh, the show The L Word? The, the L Word. L Word, yeah. yeah. Which is a show about like six or so lesbians mm-hmm. in a group. Yep. And uh, they, they're just hanging out dealing with their lesbian problems yep. and shit. It's one of the best fucking shows that I saw in a while. That's on HBO or Showtime? I it's uh, it's, I think it's Showtime. Yeah. I watch it on Netflix. So okay. Other sex seasons are on Netflix now. Okay. Uh, but the reason I watch it is because my friend, shout out to you, you know who you are. Yeah, oh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My friend watched it on Netflix. We shared an account. Mm. And I just one day, out of morbid curiosity, clicked on it. Mm. And I was hooked, man. It was a stupidly good show. I don't yeah. know why it was so good. Yeah. I can't. I can't relate to any other characters in that show. Like, I'm not a woman. I'm not gay. Yeah. I'm not a gay woman. Mm. But for some reason, uh, that show was amazing. So go check it if you like like funny female characters. Definitely go check it out. I, I love uh, television shows with um, a strong female lead. They're great. Love that. Let's see. But that's yeah. That's all for uh, for this week in television. But movie premieres now. The movie we've oh, yeah, all been movie. waiting for. Fucking Deadpool. Deadpool. Comes out today. I'm probably going to watch it today. Yeah, we, you can get a midnight, a late night showing for Deadpool tonight, or you can see it everywhere tomorrow, uh, Friday. So I'm looking forward to it. It's rated R. It has a runtime of 106 minutes. So they're not going to sit there and pander. You're not going to be in the movie theater for three hours of a movie. Yeah. It looks like they're going to get to the point. I, I, I've heard reviews about the movie and said it's, it's, like, it's like a good origin story for Deadpool. And it is everything we wanted. I, that's what I've heard. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 81 percent. I'm not great. big. I'm, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm not. I'm not big on ratings, but I do like to look at it mm-hmm. beforehand. But uh, they gave it 81 percent. It could be a minus five percent, and I will be in that movie theater tomorrow. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know? It's a good fucking movie. Yeah. I'm excited for it. 
The um the next the next film opening the same weekend is a uh, Zoolander. Zoolander. Zoolander has a sequel. Did, did you see the first one? The first yeah, one? I watched it like ten years ago. Yeah, it's it's very silly. I mean, it's a really really silly movie. And I, I don't know if we discuss on the podcast or not. If it was just our regular conversations yeah. about sequels to comedies. Yeah. And has a sequel to a comedy ever been Successful. good or like uh, preceded or just better than the first one? I think that was a that was the first episode. Yeah, we talked about the, the first episode. Yeah. So I mean, just just uh, along those bases. I'm not expecting much from Zoolander the sequel. No, but I think know. that it's going to be a fun movie. It will be fun. No, I'm going to see it. I'm yeah. still going to see it, but I'm just not expecting anything. Like, I, yeah, that's the thing with com- comedies are weird. Yeah. Because I definitely think that with what I've been seeing from this movie mm-hmm. and like the marketing campaign too, yeah. I feel like it's going to be as fun as the first one was. Yeah, it looks like it. It yeah. looks like it's going to be fun. It does. So I'm excited for that one too. Um, unfortunately, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 41%. But they rate all comedies low. Yeah, they there do. was a um, meet the uh, meet the fuckers. No, nah, the uh, the one with um, Jennifer Aniston and ah, frig, I, I'll remember it later. Yeah, but yeah, uh, they 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 rate a lot of comedies low. Anyway, I've I've seen that a lot in like in like user review mm-hmm. based channels. Comedies usually get a, a bad rap. They do. Yeah. Uh, I I understand that we're gonna do an episode on comedies mm-hmm. on their own, and I'm gonna talk about why I think that happens there. All right. Uh, so that's that's Zoolander February the twelfth has a hundred and two minute runtime. So it's like I said, that's going to be to the point. That's as well. tomorrow too. Yep, that's still tomorrow. Cool. Uh, another movie opening up this weekend: How to Be Single. <laughs> yeah, now this it's another comedy. I don't know if I'll be paying to see this movie, um, but there's a lot of uh, young upcoming actors that are going to be in it. Uh, Rebel Wilson. Uh, you might know her as um, Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> oh shit, she's awesome. Yeah, I that's one of my favorite people in Hollywood right now. She, She's really she, funny. She is. Rebel Wilson's in it. Uh, Damon Waynes Jr. is in it. Um, there's a show called Workaholics. Um, his character name is Anders. Okay. Not sure what his real name is, but he's going to be in that. So, I mean, a, a lot of... Um, is it the guy with the fro? The, the, um, not that one. Because uh, the yeah, guy two. with the, the glasses and the fro, that's Richard Ayardi. Mm. Uh, he's a British comedian. Mm. I don't know if I there was only three, so we can just yeah. eliminate the, one, one of the other two. The two that we didn't, the, the two that we said, mm. the other one. The other one, yeah. <laughs> so he, he's in that, in How to Be Single. Um, that may be good. Don't know. It doesn't have ratings for it out there yet, but it has all the people that you like, so there you go. Sweet. Now, the movie that I want to see even more than Deadpool, okay. you know, just for myself, is a movie called Nina Forever. Nina Forever. Nina Forever. It's only a 90-minute runtime. And I think I jotted down some stuff about it, but I mean, this right here is rated at 100% on on Rotten Tomatoes. Let me give you the synopsis about For what sure. this movie is. Nina Forever. After his girlfriend dies in a car crash, Rob unsuccessfully attempts suicide. As he begins to overcome his grief, he falls in love with a co-worker, Holly. Their relationship is complicated when Nina, unable to find the rest, uh, unable to rest in her afterlife, comes back to life to sarcastically torment them whenever they have sex. <laughs> yeah. now, now, this silliness has gotten a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 100%. Nina forever. Now, I'm, I'm sure it's only going to be in select theaters. You know, it's a smaller budget movie. But I'm going to go wherever I have to go to see this right here. Dude, that's one of my favorite premises for a movie. You know? <laughs> Just because I... You can say come back to life to sarcastically torture them, yeah. But no, sarcastically oh. torture them only when they're only having sex. Only during sex, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking fantastic. Is there anything else to cover? Oh, that's it. That's TVs and movies. That's so good, man. Yeah. I, I think that 
2015 was a pretty bad year for like entertainment i think like not a lot happened for for movie entertainment for television yeah. netflix type stuff it was one of the better years for me that's true you know but for movies going cinema eh. it was pretty bad yeah. but 2016 looks like it's bringing up the game with television and netflix shows mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. cinema stepping stepping up it is so i i hope that 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 works i, I hope so too uh, i think that's pretty much it for today's episode isn't it? yep awesome thank you guys for watching so much I appreciate every time that you listen. Okay. I keep track. To the one dude in the Netherlands, I checked out the stats the other day. The mm -hmm. one's one dude from the Netherlands that's like listening to us talking. Yeah. I don't even know any like <laughs> Netherlands stereotypes no, to throw I, out there. I can't. I can't even pronounce the name or where he's from. Yeah. And they're listening to us. That's so, great. Shout out to you guys. Yeah. Uh, seriously, no. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back here next week to talk. What the fuck are we going to talk about next week? Uh, next week is uh, romantic comedies. Romantic comedies. Yep. Shit, I gotta watch romantic comedies. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Thanks for watching. Later. Watching. Fucking listening. <laughs> <laughs>